Welcome to the Avance Podcast. I'm Dan. I'm Nick, and I did not say our other name, so that's one point for me. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> the old I'm, name. The old name. Yes, who we used to be <laughs> before we went into Avance Witness Protection. So our wit- right. witless protection or whatever it is. So, yes. <laughs> How are you? I'm good, man. It's, good? Uh, it's a sunny day today. The truck's dirty, but that's all right. Wow. I mean, I tell you, I, I wanted to be outside all day today. I wanted to go. I want to get the bikes out and start riding, and I've got to start mm-hmm. to freaking Brandon Ben Pal and Brian. I'm, I'm now back online looking at Man in the Box stuff. And like, I mean, I found, it's stupid stuff, too. I, I, I sent it to you guys. Nobody said anything, but I mean, it's a new kickstand. I don't need a new kickstand. I know. I, I saw that, too. I was like, that's really cool. I have no use for that. No use to it. I did. I did order the new uh, the new sh- uh, spring or no, the new front cups in yellow. Oh, nice! So, yeah. The the fork tube, the, the outer fork, fork tube. tube. So yeah, they'll not, yes. I'll have the yellow ones off of the yellow bike. That's but which, by the way, it's it's tough to hunt down. But again, don't need them. Didn't need to spend two hundred bucks <laughs> on them, but uh, it's gonna look cool. So I'm excited about that. And uh, if you don't know, we're definitely going to be doing another monkey run this year. So Dan and I are kind of getting that hyped up and trying to figure that out and pull the bikes out of storage and. Well, you you literally have to pull yours out of a barn, so yeah, right, yeah. Well, they're cleaned up. I've just got a bunch of parts to put on them and get them ready. No, and, I didn't say they yeah, weren't bad, they're in bad shape. I just said you had to pull them out of a barn. So, yeah. correct. Same thing. That Same correct. thing. So. We need a motorcycle sponsor because uh, you know our sponsors are great, but they don't give us motorcycle parts or discount on motorcycle parts, and that's what we really need right now. I just take a motorcycle sponsor. I don't even need free stuff. I just want a motorcycle sponsor. So yeah, yeah. if we only you've got me itching for a dual sport though right now, man. I've been looking at CRF four fifty RLs. <laughs> relentlessly good luck and then that yamaha <laughs> tenere 700 but i'm going back to crf that's what i'm getting but i just keep looking at all of them now it's funny because you put that in a message and i was like wait a minute you're gonna get uh, i mean you can get them on you can find them on facebook there's a lot of people have, have been selling them but i uh i love that bike that bike it's it's it still has the the joy of I, I can still go down there and just look at it and i love it and yeah. so, so and, and, and it's well, you always mod your stuff right all of it like you know how to mod I don't, and it, I think your I, stuff well, especially with good. bikes i learned that from you like i mean <clears throat> especially with that excuse me i it's been you know exhaust and chip and and the, the the thermostat delete made that bike really different and then doing the actually i want to talk to you about something like that we're going to do another thing but there's a mod about taking off the the, the lid that's under the seat for the airbox for helping circulation mm-hmm. and i don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing not that i ride in a ton of water but i don't want to suck a bunch of water in there so that's kind of interesting yeah, we'll go into yeah. that in another time. No, but I mean, put I that put that on the list. Yeah, that. <laughs> yes. yeah, we'll add that to the list. <laughs> I don't want I don't well. want to submerge it. So, yeah, uh, do we have a Carter Motors tip of the week? We do. I mean, we're still brought to you by Avance, obviously, because we're the Avance podcast now. Yes. Woo-hoo. Uh, <laughs> Grios Garage, and we do have a new code coming, I believe, for you guys. And then Haggerty Garage and Social, still a partner with us, and of course, Carter Automotive Group. Let's talk about their tip of the week. So, as I was doing some research for a closely related topic i decided <laughs> to well i said decided to admit to myself that i know nothing about formula anything besides formula one and of course okay. i was like what's what else is there i didn't even know formula two was still a thing it's been around since 2014 boy do i feel dumb saying that but that's the truth listeners i didn't know formula two was still a thing because i never watched it <laughs> okay. i just watched formula one all right so what's the differences that's what i thought we'd get into today what's the high level just the high, high level overview of what are the differences between all these formula series. So obviously we're formula one, top of the top, 3 million bucks just to start in formula one, thousand horsepower, 18,000 RPM redline V8, 230 plus mile an hour top speeds, zero to 60 in less than two seconds, CIA levels of secrecy around how their steering wheels and engines are made. And you pretty much have to be a champion of F2, three and four and everything else to be an F1 driver. So there you go. That's Formula One. Everybody knows that for the most part. 
the most expensive sport in the world. But there's <sighs> Formula Two. It's so pretty. And, though. Once you go to a Formula oh, One yeah. race, it, it makes so much more sense. But yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like you, you get what you pay for. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of those things. Uh, start with twenty million, and maybe you'll make your three million investment back. Start with a big that's amount. Probably that's a, that's like just for the car. I mean, if you're going to be honest, what's a Formula One budget? Hundred million? I, I mean, don't even know. I mean, for Mercedes, probably. I mean, that's yeah, probably just probably. To, that's probably just to pay Lewis Hamilton or whatever his name is now. Now that yeah. he added his surname, yeah. All right, so Formula 2. All the cars are designed by Williams F1. So not F1, but they're all designed by the Williams F1 team. The cars are completely identical. The drivers are backed by the same race engineers. And it's that's more of a talent-driven thing. It focuses on the talent. So I don't get 500 that. horsepower engines, about half. Okay. Williams is uh, always the one that, that – I mean, they've been in Formula 1 for years. And they're always changing yeah. hands. In fact, they just sold. And it feels like they're always <laughs> losing. But they, they make so much money, from I would think, from doing that. You'd think they'd be better in Formula 1 with all the amount of stuff <laughs> they do in Formula 2. So Poor Williams. Poor Williams. Poor Williams. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, half the horsepower, 500 horsepower in the engines. Uh, not the same V8, but also a V8. But these things only crank to 10,000 RPMs versus the 18,000 in an F1 car. Okay. Um, they still go crazy fast. They're only about 20 miles an hour slower than F1. So, l- low 200s, 2 to 210. Still. High, more than fast it's enough st- for everybody else. Yeah. And it's, like, monumentally cheaper. Monumentally. It's about... 300k compared to 3 million so there's a bit of a difference there but uh yeah that's that's the high level overview f2 f3 you're going to notice a trend here uh all the same the chassis are all built by a company named miguel m-y-g-a-l-e uh top speed of about 165 ish um again since they're all designed similarly that focuses much more on the talent uh there's i think downforce is downforce changes in formula three a little bit so you get a lot of more action in the corners they, they look and like old f1 cars like smaller they do old they f1 look like cars. older f1 cars yeah. they're pretty cool looking actually i really yeah. like the formula three cars i wish i could fit in, in one <laughs> yeah i wish i could fit in any of those yeah cars. i wish i could fit in any of those cars yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't think i've been able to fit in one of those in sixth grade <laughs> oh that i was gonna say first but okay yeah yeah <laughs> and then um the main thing though that one reason you might want to really check out formula three is they will do three races in the same day so you get a lot of racing action all at once whereas formula one is one race for a whole weekend so if you're looking for uh, a lot of action all at once formula three is great formula four okay formula four is not a worldwide thing it's regional and they are quite a bit slower and by no means slow and by no means easy they, they top out about 130 miles an hour say they're still doing 140 miles an hour yeah right yeah. on tight tracks yeah, yeah. So it's, even though they're not global, quite a bit lower bar of entry, they're universal series, but their regulations and vehicle specs are, they have tight regulations and specs like Formula One. So you get a lot better driver to driver competition. Okay. You'll notice that in two, three, and four. And then the last one I'm going to bring up just because it is the new hotness, even though it's not that hot yet. Uh, obviously, this is the way things are going. That's Formula E, the only one without a number in its name. These things are pretty close in number to Formula Four. So they're a little faster, top speed of about 135. Formula One's 230, so 100 miles an hour less, but 0 to 60 is about 3 seconds, and Formula One's about 1.3. Which is funny, because you'd think electric would be a lot faster for some reason, but, yeah, but you're carrying yeah, a lot of I weight from those batteries. so A lot of weight, yeah. and I think that's probably all there is to it. But all those chassis are um, the Park Renault SR10 SRT01E is apparently the name of the chassis that they're all using. So Yeah, because anyway. McLaren's in that, and I know Jaguar's been in the Formula E as well, haven't they? Yeah. Yeah. 
And I want, yeah. I did want to say that you, you, to, to your point about Formula Two or Three with the three races in a weekend, Formula One is not just one race. I mean, you are getting, you are getting prep. Oh yeah, you're getting the pre races, and if you go to a Formula One race, a lot of times they will be racing Formula Two or Three uh, during the day, um, and Correct. just ripping it up. So it's still a lot of fun. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, as Nick will tell you, and I'm going to tell you, if you can go to Austin, go to Austin. That should be on your bucket list of a thing to do in your well, life. Now we got, now we got three because you can do Austin, you can do Canada, and then this year we're starting Miami. If if the yeah. hurricane doesn't take it off the planet or whatever. But, <laughs> so, right. Yeah. You probably notice I'm missing a couple of open wheel racers here. Mm-hmm. And those are the two that I know nothing about at all. Um, even though we've had famous IndyCar drivers on our show before. Yeah. Uh, I don't know anything about IndyCar and Indy lights, but our guest today definitely does. So we will move it over to him and he will tell us all about that. Coming to us from Indianapolis, Benjamin Peterson, welcome to the show. Thank you. Th- happy to be here. I mean, great timing with, with the launch of the, the recent magazine and having a feature there from, from when we raced last year in Portland. So yeah, just, just thrilled to be with you guys, spend uh, some time and talk about my career and um, what the kind of the, the future plans are, future goals and yeah, all good. Well, we really appreciate you coming on here. And I got to get this out of the way. I, a little bit of your background. You're Danish, or you speak Danish, correct? You're from That's, Copenhagen? Yep, yep. And it, as, as most of the people know that listen to this show, I have a, we'll call it, a, I'm using air quotes, slight affiliation or, or love of Lego. Obsession? Which is, <laughs> obsession. That's the word I'm looking for. That's the word for. you're going obsession. for? <laughs> yeah. I was, think, I was thinking of every word except the word. So and it was funny because I was, I was, we were bringing that up because can't see this, but he can see what's in my office. And he's like, what's going on behind there? And I'm like, that's oh, a little bit of a Lego collection. And you brought up an interesting fact about the fact that one of the first cars you ever drove was at Legoland, correct? That's right. Yeah, first motorized vehicle, I'd say, was at Legoland. They gave you like this little driver's license. I, I think my parents still have it, which showed that you were allowed to drive one of these these vehicles. I was like two years old. It was ridiculous, but it looked like Gotta a real, young. Yeah. real driver's license. And yeah, so I, I think it started at Legoland. Okay. Yeah. So, and so, I mean, obviously, you, you've had a passion for, for automobiles and things like that since you were a kid. Yeah, 100%. I mean, my mom's side of the family is motocross. My dad's side, car racing. So there's just been this mutual love for motorsport. My, my first form of motorsport was motocross. I had a Yamaha PW50 as my first bike, as, as most people's first bike. Did motocross. Um, you know, obviously, you're only like four years old, right? So you're just riding around. And then uh, went into go-karting right after that and and then the rest is is history now that's an interesting mix i don't usually hear the mom being on the motorcycle side i've heard a lot of it on the car side but i don't usually hear it on the motorcycle side usually so, moms are on the anti-motorcycle yeah side. exactly yeah. that <laughs> more so uh my mom's brother was into motocross and then obviously when, when you're a sibling you're you're dragged into it right so got it yeah you're not exactly dragging kicking and screaming into motorsports when you're a little kid though yeah, that's just the coolest stuff in the world yep do you still do you still ride I, I can ride. I know how to ride. I don't just because I don't want to injure myself, but I, I have a big passion for, for all forms of motorsport. I'm watching Supercross at the moment. Yeah, all action sports I'm a fan of. So if there's an engine, then you can sign me up, whether it's snowmobiling, whatever it is. Yeah, I hear you. We're the same way. So you grew up uh, You're from Denmark. What, how old were you when you moved over here? Four years old. Oh, so really young. Okay. Yeah, pretty much grew up in Seattle. Went to school in Seattle. And then uh, moved to, to Indianapolis here last September. So I've been here for, what is that, four or five months now. This is my new home base, which is which makes a lot of sense with where I am in my career now. And uh, yeah, loving it. 
So uh, we talked about the Carter Subaru Tip of the Week and kind of outlined some of the, the racing and, and we're F1, F2, F3. I mean, I've, I have recently over the last few years become a huge F1 fan, but talk to us a little bit about your career and how you've worked yourself worked your way up through the ranks and, and what, what you have kind of driven and kind of give us a correlation between all that. Absolutely. So you basically have to start to explain to someone maybe that, that doesn't really know anything about it. You have both open wheel racing, which is you know, what an F1 or an Indy car looks like. And then you have closed wheel racing, like sports cars, your Ferraris, Lambos, all these kind of cars. I knew from when, when I started, I wanted to go open wheel racing. My goal is F1 or Indy car. And usually if, if you make it to that level, you can always go sports car racing. So that's always an option. But in terms of career, it, it was very early that I knew open wheel was, was the choice. You then kind of look at it when you know that, you basically have the route to F1 through Europe, and then you have the route to IndyCar through America. And it's very similar the way it it, um, it's, it racks up. But basically for F1, you start in F4, which is a, a entry-level car out of go-karting. You then go into F3, which is a car that is, is basically has a bit more of everything than an F4 car. You go to F2, same thing. It's more of everything. F1 being the highest level. Same thing in IndyCar. The whole road to Indy is what it's called over here. Just slightly different terminology. The first level being USF 2000, which is like F4. Then you got Indy Pro 2000, Indy Lights, which is like F2. And then you got IndyCar. So that's kind of like how it, it breaks up to, to make it simple. I'm currently in Indy Lights, this, the level just below IndyCar. But I also came up through through the European system of F4, F3, British F3. So you can kind of mix match a little bit on your way there. How old were you when you started in F4? Because that was, that was where you officially started in pro level, right? Yep. Uh, so so I came out of go-karting, had my first test day at Roebling Road in Savannah, Georgia in an F4 car when I was, I think it was 15 and a half. So I didn't even have my driver's license yet. <laughs> you had your Lego license, it counts. Yeah, yeah, totally yeah. yeah it's Thank still you. valid. <laughs> But yeah, that was my first, I wasn't even 16 yet. Um, and then I went racing in F4 in cars in the inaugural season in 2016. That was my first year in cars. That's crazy okay. saying that now, thinking back to, to, I mean, that's a while ago and I'm not even that old. So. <laughs> so you're only 22, right? 22, yeah. You've done a lot in a little bit of time. It's scary to think that, that it's a, that long ago and I'm, I'm only 22, so. Did your family support you all the way along? Has this always been something? I mean, even karting since you in you know into motorsports, obviously since you were four years old, so they knew this was kind of a natural progression. Has there any been ever been any pushback on this from your family? Any worry from your mom? Um, not that that they've showed. I you know they know since I started racing, the the generation of cars I've been in have been so safe. So that's been a big factor, but. You know, they could tell I loved it so much. So it was just, and I'm grateful to this day and will forever be grateful and, and still grateful, you know, that they support me with what I love because it's by no means an easy sport for one to get into and, and secondly, to stay in and keep moving up through the ranks. I'm very grateful for, for all the supporters I have in the area as well. Um, a lot of guys that have been supporting me since I started in car racing. So yeah, yeah, just very, very grateful. You know, one of them being Dirtfish the owner there supporting me since I started and, and a bunch of other owners or companies in the area that have, have helped me from the beginning. So that it's a big help. We are big fans of Dirtfish and the Rimmer family in general. They're just all around great people. We have great experiences with all of them. And of course you were, a, you were a driver at or an instructor at Proformance for a while as well too, I read. Yeah. Yeah. So very close to the Kitsch family. Don asked me, I was just out at the track and he said, 
hey, do you have any interest in helping out when you're around town, when you're not racing? I said, of course I do. Don, always super supportive of me, helped me with some decisions as well. So I got to know the Kitsch family really well through that, worked for performance, met a lot of great people through that, you know, learned a lot about myself with how to, one thing is learning how to to race and, and everything around it, but to, to teach it to someone else that's new is also very healthy, and I'm very grateful for that. If, if you follow motorsports, there's a lot of F1 drivers that have done Indy, you know, Mario Andretti and people like that have come have come across the pond to do that. When you started out to do this, were you focused on just either getting a professional ride in, at the top level or did you want to be an F1? You know, I, I feel like a lot of the European kids, when they come up karting, they want to be an F1 and Americans, they want to be an Indy. Yeah. If we go back to like 2016, when I did F, or joined F4, the goal there was was definitely F1 because you're, you're, as a kid, you want to you know, that's the pinnacle at the time. As you then go through the years and, and the categories, you kind of realize that when you compare the the road to F1 and IndyCar, the, the whole path to F1 is really strong. The only thing that's weak about it is actually getting to F1 compared to IndyCar when we're talking about that. The reason being, you know, the budgets required for Formula One compared to IndyCar, the sponsorship, the politics, politics plays a big role in that as well. You see guys even with budget that that can go, they don't go because someone else has, you know, whatever else playing in their favor. Whereas when you when you look at it now, you see how much more attainable it is to actually make it to IndyCar, which is the highest level. In cars that are built exactly the same, you have a chance of winning every weekend. And it, it's just a lot more attractive, in my opinion, the whole road to IndyCar in terms of, of getting to IndyCar. Well, I mean, and I think the... It's it's funny because F1 is one of the biggest sports in the world, but I feel like a lot of people are really coming around to it and noticing it and getting a better look at it with this whole F, you know Netflix Drive to Survive. They're getting a good uh, look behind. Everybody's always had their favorite drivers, you know, especially the rivalry between Hamilton and, and Verstappen last year was incredible in that in that end. But I think a lot of people are now starting to kind of see it. I mean, a lot a lot of people knew it existed, but a lot of people that, in motorsport like me, I never quite followed it until about two years ago, and so it's been very interesting. I've followed Indy for a long time just because obviously being American. Sure. I feel like that's it's the American thing to do. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> apple pie and things like that. So, uh, but the politics behind it, I mean, I, I never knew. I mean, I knew there was a lot of money behind it. I knew there was a lot of politics, but watching, I mean, just watching the, you know, the, the head of uh, Red Bull and the head of Mercedes go at each other, which is just yeah fun. Saying this to our listeners, if you haven't, if you have Netflix or have a- access to Drive to Survive, start from the beginning, watch all four seasons. It's incredible. So, yeah. We need something like that for IndyCar. Yeah, saying. I feel like they'd be nicer. <laughs> <laughs> I think I, would it, hope I would think be. it's being worked on. Sweet. Yeah. I don't know if I'm supposed to say that, but <laughs> you could say I, you think it's being worked on. I think it's being worked on. I think I mean, I'd like to think that, that it works it's being, I'd like to think that it's being worked on. Yeah. <laughs> He's reading that off of the back of a card. Yeah. Like, this is what I'm supposed to say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And by the way, I'm, I'll, I will edit this a lot, but Benjamin is very sick and he's joining us anyway, graciously. So thank you for that. Um, I was going to ask you, so getting in the driver's seat, what was your first race like? And it could be F4, F3, Indy Light. Like what was the first one that like hit you the hardest of that series? Was it stepping into an F4 race the first time or is it stepping into Indy Lights? Like which one of those was the big, oh man moment? <laughs> huh. That's a tough question. I don't, I don't think I've been asked that. I think that it's more so the biggest moment would be the first time in the F4 car, like the first time in an open wheel car coming out of go-karting because you have nothing else to compare it to, right? So it's 
you're in a car that's a lot faster. You know, the F4 car is capable of doing like 140 mile an hour. Like it's a fast yeah. car. So I remember, I remember the first test very clearly, even though it's, you know, I was only 15 years old. And then from there, you know, you know what it's like. So then from there, it's just first, first race, first qualifying, first time in the wet. But, but the first time in the car, you know, that's the first of everything at once. So I think that's what, what speaks to me the most, but you know, you got to start somewhere. There's a start for everything. So any major embarrassing moments while you were getting your feet wet in that? Not that I can remember. Um, no, I, I, it was, a. I think in hindsight, looking back, it was a good debut. Obviously at like first test day, you're obviously, you're not up to speed of what a seasoned F4 racer would be doing, but right. But you build up to it. Right. So no, I'm, I'm very happy with, with how, how it's shaped out in hindsight. So. I guess it's how you get the sponsors, right? <laughs> it's a part of it, yeah. Something that I have been focusing, hyper-focusing on now and learning about F1 and Indy, and it's something that I kind of knew. Uh, they talk, they're talking a lot more about their training, and one of the things they talk about training and show most is the neck because yep. of the amount of Gs that you take. Talk a little bit about your training for that as far as, you know, being in yep. a car and, and driving down the street doesn't take much, but when you're going through a corner at two and a half, three Gs, that can be a lot. Yeah, so... After moving here to to Indianapolis, I started working with a trainer called Jeff Richter. His company's called Zeal Performance, and he trains just just race car drivers. Um, and then, as a side thing, also a couple individual athletes. But racing is is his main his main thing. So I train every morning with a lot of IndyCar guys. Not necessarily at the same time. We have different time slots, but we we kind of run into each other. So it's five days a week hour and a half every morning i usually go run again in the evening or, or whatever i do so i train twice a day so it's almost two hours a day right now the the big focus being an indie lights next step is indycar you know an indycar race can be up to two hours so your cardio needs to be really good but more so your strength needs to be really strong because the indycar with the amount of downforce it makes there's no power steering the brake pressures are ridiculously high whereas in f1 you have power steering the steering's a lot lighter so everything from what I've heard, the IndyCar is, is just brutal with, with what you need in terms of fitness. So, so it's a lot of hard work. People, people don't really realize, you know, people think you just show up, you drive a car, you go back home, drink Coke all day and, and go about Spray it. champagne like, yeah. all over everybody. Yeah, I got you. Yeah. But yeah. no, it, it's a lot of hard work. <laughs> my weight can't be more than 165 pounds, just me and my underwear. So it's really hard balance being, you know, you want to be strong, but that adds weight. You want to be cardio fit. So it's, it's just, yeah, it's a lot of hard work, but, but everything is, <laughs> is looking good right now in my favor. So well, it's, I've heard for a long time, like open wheel drivers are some of the like most physically fit athletes in the world. They're up there with like Olympic swimmers, as far as endurance to be able to run those series. Like it's insane. The work that has to go into that. I think, you know, I have a big respect for whatever form of sport you're in, whether you're a football player or a golf player or a swimmer, you know, the, the best guys are extremely fit because they, they want to be the best in their sport. Um, I mean, the other day, for example, I ran eight miles. I think the average pace was 7.15 per mile. So if you're a runner or do any kind of training, you would know that that's pretty quick. Um, so it's just kind of a reference in, in terms of the fitness level I'm at from a cardio perspective. Um, and then strength, you know, we're we're just trying to get stronger and stronger every day for for the raw strength for for IndyCar. Man, yeah, that's it's a full time job. When they, people say full time job, I'm like, no, it's pretty much when you wake up to when you go to sleep. 
from everything I've been even told. Yeah. Yeah. I have a, a two bedroom apartment here in, in Indy. My second bedroom is my sim room. So I spend a lot of time on the sim. Usual day, you know, I wake up at seven every day. I go to training in the morning. By the time I'm done, it's noon. You know, I, I got to eat. So I got to eat lunch, come home, rest for a little bit. There's usually some meetings I need to do or, you know, engineering meeting, whatever it is. Then the evenings, I'll be on the sim with my, my coach. It's totally normal to be on the sim for two to three hours. Then you get dinner and then it's time for bed and you do it again. But it's there's nothing about it that I, I don't like. It's it's a really enjoyable thing. But yeah, it's it's busy. It's full time. Sounds intense. Now you've done some esports as well. I was going to ask you about that. Like you got it was an invitational. I think I saw that you did. Now I'm just using Wikipedia as a reference, so God knows how accurate that is. But I wanted to ask you about esports, and cause obviously you do a lot of same time. Yep, it's intense. It you you sweat a lot. You you know it's. I basically describe sim rate. There's two types of sim racers. There's your your average guy that's brand new to sim racing that you know has no experience. They're just trying to survive on there. <laughs> They're just trying not to crash. That that's all they think about. If they can improve their lap time by eight <laughs> seconds, Dan and I are raising our hands. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you can improve your lap time by eight seconds, that's a great day. Then you're good. Go have a beer. Then that's it. Now you have your pro sim racers where you know you don't need to worry about crashing. You're more so focused on the actual driving. And when you get to that point, you can. Now you can focus on fuel saving. You can focus on in and out laps during pit stops. You can focus on actual pit stops. You can focus on race starts, tire tip. There's so many things you can practice on the sim. But until you get to that level where you don't worry about, you know, quote unquote, just crashing all the time, it's hard to, to really use it as a tool. So when you get to that point, it's a, a massive tool in terms of that. I'm just still free driving in Forza. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Most guys are on iRacing on the PC. Yeah. So yeah, that's what we're using. I don't have a simulator, but I'm on Forza. And I just do it because of the weight restrictions because I haven't been 165 <laughs> since I was like seven. There so, you go. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there, yeah. No weight restrictions on the sim, that's for sure. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, just just whatever computer chair you're sitting on. Yep. So. All right, so we've talked cars extensively. I do want to jump a little over though and ask more about you. What else is there to you outside of the racing? I know you don't have a lot of time for a lot, but I know there's more to you than that. You know, I've been starting to play a bit of golf here in Indy. Um, so I'd say golfing. But honestly, I, I try to just be balanced with whatever it is in life. You know, I, I try not to say, you know, I do racing and golf and that's it. Like, that's not really how I am. You know, if, if there's an opportunity to go play tennis or to go swimming or whatever it is, I'm, I'm down. Just try to be as balanced as possible. So yeah, to answer your question, I'm I'm pretty open book. Go to a alligator farm. I did that the other day when I was in Florida. You know, th- whatever it is, I'm I'm open to to trying new things. So so that's that's kind of how no I no motorcycles, about it. but we'll go to an alligator farm. Yeah, both that sounds safe. <laughs> yeah, I mean totally. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Because you don't need both hands to drive an Indy car. Me, be fine. <laughs> I kept my distance. <laughs> Went on like an airboat ride and everything. But oh, know, that's oh, that'd fun. be fun actually. actually yeah. Yeah. That's just jealousy in my voice. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So how's the uh, how's the season going so far? Then, like, I mean, you've got you've had a pretty good strong season from what I've read. I mean, what's next for you? When's the next race? Uh, so we started our season in Saint Petersburg. That's I want to say like three weeks ago. Finished second at the season opener. So great start to the year. Nice. Yeah. Great points. You know, we we just got to be at at the top all the all the time. Not necessarily P one every weekend, but you know, top three is 
you know, if we can be there all week, that all all the season, then that's the goal. You know, we were pretty much fastest in every preseason test up to that. So I think we're right where we need to be. To be honest, I think St. Petersburg is probably one of my weaker tracks on the calendar where we where where we had our season opener. Just being the fact that you know it's a street course, it gets you know sh- shut down for a week and then it's open again to the road, so you can't go testing there. My only previous experience was there last year, and you only get you know a couple sessions to learn it. Where whereas a lot of the other tracks we are, we're going to from now on, I've raced that since F four, you know, so completely different um, level of experience for for the rest of the tracks we go to now. A couple new ones: we go to Nashville this year, street race, which will be super cool. We go to Iowa, another oval. I think that's it in terms of new additions, but but those should be some cool events. Nashville's a cool city, so hopefully you'll be able to chance to go out and play there too, because that's a cool spot. Yeah, I I don't think I'll get to play very much during the race weekend, but I'll embrace the atmosphere of the people playing. <laughs> well, I was thinking afterwards, but understood. Yeah, not during the weekend. That's work. We'll see. Can you talk to us a little bit about the the progression of the car? Like I know I know in in Indy right now, and I it's amazed me they have windshields now. <laughs> yes, like, <that's>, so <laughs> our Indy Lights cars got the halo in the preseason of last year so that was a pretty big improvement considering there was nothing before that yeah um at that same time indycar introduced the aero screen which is the halo plus a screen around it you know i think it's a great thing what indycar have done i think the screen is is soon to come for for open wheel or for junior formula but every junior formula right now has a halo at least so that's that's great from the safety standpoint but yeah, I mean, it, it keeps debris out. Um, the only trade-off is I've heard it, it's crazy hot in the Indy cars. Um, guys are using cool shirts, you know, helmet blowers, and it's it's just insane. So heat management is, is definitely tricky, but it pushes your your physical limits to another level, and it's it's an opportunity to to differ from the rest of the the competition. Well, I mean, those halos were. All, I mean, in F one and Indy were everybody was against him. And then, then you look at situations like Verstappen putting his wheel on top of Hamilton last year and going and Toto going, you know, I hated the halos, but I get it now. I mean, it's amazing. So you drive, you've obviously been driving with a halo, correct? Yes. Yep. Do you see it when you're driving? Because I always feel like it would you, be like the center line. <laughs> so when you sit, you you all have like the U on top of, yeah. on your head, and then you have the middle piece that goes down in front, like a flip-flop. When you put, when you're sitting in the seat and you put your visor down with the visor banner that's on your visor, you can't even see the U part. All you see is the going down part in middle of you. That's what I was talking about. I was that, wondering if that, like the flip-flop yep, part would bother that, you. That part, just blends in like an antenna on your road car. So even though you could literally look at your antenna all day long, it just, you just merge it out of the way. And a lot of the time it's, it's rare that we're looking straight, except when we're on the straightaway, a lot of times we're either looking into the next corner. So our, our eyes are away from the centerpiece. Um, so you, you honestly, you, you don't, I remember my first time driving with the halo and I, I forgot I was driving with it from session, from first lap. So it's, it's, and that's what everyone says. So it's really easy. So I'd imagine I would equate it to like wipers almost instantaneously where you just, they're just there and you don't really care. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What's your uh, favorite street car? What are you driving right now? First of all, your, your personal car. I just sold my first car that I had growing up, which was a Mark seven Volkswagen GTI that was tuned by Oct tuning in Washington. Yeah. We had them on the show not too long ago. Yeah, They'll be tuning the S3 soon. Super cool car. 
um, stage two, everything lowered, like super cool car. And then I found a new car because I'm going to be doing a lot of driving while I'm here in Indy to because it I don't really need to fly to most places from from here because it's such a central location for our races. So I knew I'd be doing a lot of driving, and I said I said I think it'd be nice with an upgrade. So I got an Audi RS5 uh 2019 nice absolutely love it so that's my daily right now super comfortable plenty of room yeah yep great car yep what's your favorite what's my favorite between the two no no no. i mean like if you're if you're gonna go like you got the money you're just gonna go buy a car but let's let's let me limit it a little bit to a car you, you have driven so okay. not just like mclaren f1 like everyone else in the world uh 991 gt2 rs Hard to oh, argue so, with that. Something subtle. I see. Okay. Yeah. All you black. Just like cars that want to kill you, don't you? All black. Yeah. Black yeah. on black. Yeah. Y sack package. I. Yep. I. Yep. And it, okay. it's a cool story. I. Because you, it was a good point you made. You have to have driven the car to say it. It was at Pacific Raceways. A guy came up to me and he, I was instructing, and he said, "I obviously got Don's approval." He said, "I'd love for your feedback between my GT3 RS and his and his GT2 RS." Bad? So I drove. Was I drove it red? The, I I don't remember. Oh, okay. Um, but I went out, drove the GT3 like hot lap. Then he he said, "All right, here's the GT2. Go try it." Drove that, and it was just it was so cool. So, um, I'm grateful for that opportunity. Yeah, it's hard to argue with 710 horsepower and then all that weight perfectly right over the the traction. So, if you're gonna yeah. pick, if you're gonna pick a car that you want to you know, go track and then drive home and it's still comfortable. I'd say GT2 RS. I mean, a, you know, for a race car driver, but GT3, GT3 will, will get the job done as well. <laughs> yep. I think I know who that was, actually. I think I I remember that story coming from him, I think, actually. Okay. So, what was his yeah. take on it? Uh, I, if, if it's the same person, I think he said that he realized how far above him the GT2 RS was. Yeah. Just as far as putting down the power. And he's a, extremely... If he's listening to this, I think he is. Extremely humble guy. One of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. And he loves his GT3 RS, but he was like, I, he realized how much growing room there was between the three and the two RS. So, and it loved them both. But yeah, I think he still has both, doesn't he, Nick? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, his Porsche collection is growing. Uh, tell me a little bit about the technologies that you've seen coming coming up through the ranks that you really like. I mean, things that have improved the sports. I mean, we, we talked about halos, but things yeah. you know, like you, you know, to me, when you said about the windshield and they're getting hotter, it's the last thing you want to do is get hotter in a race car, especially when you're racing in some hotter climates. Yeah, I mean, in terms of um, on that topic with with heat, you know, the tech in terms of our seats has come a long way. Um, <laughs> every season when we we. We pour a seat, so the seat is perfectly made to our body. We basically sit in a big trash bag, uh, foam gets poured in, and then it, it molds to our body. It gets trimmed, covered. It, it fits like a glove. Um, what they've started to do now is taking that seat that's covered in like Alcantara, and then you basically, in the, the middle of it, where the spine and down to your butt, it basically cut it open, put like a a bit of a mesh air thing and then it connects to a air hose so basically when you're driving it get it pushes air into the the back of your back so your core temperature stays down like that so from that perspective that's really cool the tech there the tech with an indie car you know helmet blowers everything that's been around for a while in terms of other tech you know from video 
debriefs, you we have a thing called <laughs> not dirt fish, but it's called dart fish with an A. It's basically it's like when you're driving in Forza and you're racing your ghost lap time. If you take external video that maybe your spotter is recording from the actual track, you take a video of your car going through a section on the track. You take a pic, uh, a video of your opponent's car going through. You edit it, then you replay it with the cars driving like in between each other, like on each other, and you can see the differences in line and everything, which is pretty cool when you think about taking two raw videos. That's yeah. really cool. And comparing. So it's basically like your Forza Ghost, but real life edited and played at the same time so you can see the difference between line, rolling speed, everything like that. So that's a cool tool in terms of uh, data debrief. Struggling to think of other... I mean, there's so many things that have come a long way, but those are two things that kind of speak to mind. That's the first I've heard of that. That's really cool. I wasn't aware that you guys didn't have power steering. I mean, I knew F1 did because... But I mean, yep. yeah. I was Pretty much every junior formula open wheel except you know when you get to f1 um everything there's no power steering the the brakes are manual force there's there's no you know brake booster or anything like that so i think we did the math the other day the actual brake pressure when you you know when you brake in a formula car it's it's a big hard peak and then you bleed off like you trail brake um the initial peak is it's like over 200 pounds i think it's like 250 pounds of actual pressing so if you're doing a leg press just with your left leg, that's how, how hard you actually have to press. And it's, it's, it gets physical. And you know, a lot of the time it'll be, you know, a corner break zone, five seconds, corner break zone, then you get the straight away and then it's straight into another full lap. So it's not a, a lot of rest. So yeah. I'm cramping thinking about it. Well, let alone the positions you're sitting at in a, in an Indy car or an F1 car. I mean, it, the F1 car, your feet are practically above your head. Um, tell, yeah. Talk a little bit about the seating position that you, in your car now. It's basically like if, if you were to sit on the floor on your, on your butt, bring your feet up off the ground and just bring your back back a little bit, you kind of sit in this U shape. So it's not like your tractor position, I'll, I'll tell you that. But it's actually very comfortable once you're in there and your custom seat, everything like that. Your belts are, are done up nicely. It's very comfortable. You, you don't move around at all. So you're very fixed. And it's just pure raw power from that point of, of leg strength, core strength, neck strength. I, actually, I, I didn't answer your question. You asked about the neck strength in when we talked about the training. We use a thing called the iron neck. It basically, it's like a swivel that goes on your head with a bungee cord and your, your trainer would be like holding it at different angles and it swivels around very easily. So that's one way we train it. But honestly, the, the main way to train the neck is driving. Um, so you typically see at the start of the year in preseason testing, your neck will be a bit sore. And then by the time the season starts, after you've had you know many test days, your neck's fully up to to speed again, just because you've been driving. Um, so that's the main main thing. Interesting. The technology behind the cars is amazing to me. I mean, open and and covered wheeled racing. I mean, as far as you know, what's in there, what's protecting you, you know, because obviously these cars. I mean, talk a little bit about the crash protection. Talk about when if things go bad, what 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 you have that's kind of yeah. What was you know, your first crash like? Everybody crashes. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I don't remember what my first crash was, but from a from a safe. It was at Legoland. They don't want to talk about. Yeah, it. <laughs> yeah. there was bricks everywhere. <laughs> nice. Uh, you got me distracted there. Oh yeah, Sorry. I got you. yeah. Um, no, so our our safety, our main source of safety is the tub that we sit in, the carbon fiber monocoque. It's like a big bathtub, honestly. 
you sit in it and the whole car gets built around that. So you basically have the tub, you attach the engine and gearbox to the back of it, you attach all your wishbone suspension, and that's what that's your starting point for your car. Basically, in a crash, the car is designed for everything around the tub to fall off. So as long as the tub stays intact, that's the main thing. So you'll see times like a full engine goes flying off the back of the car, wishbones, like full corners flying off. But the main thing is like what we're sitting in, that stays intact. So that's that's our main source of safety. And it's that, it is that way all the way from F4 up to F1, whatever junior form, they, the concept's the exact same. Literally a cockpit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like a jet fighter. Yeah. Made out of carbon fiber. Usually what happens if if you hear someone say, Oh, the the car was tubbed, it means in a crash the the structural integrity something maybe started to penetrate the tub. It didn't, so the tub did its job, but now the tub is no longer safe and you need to have a new tub, which is kind of like getting a brand new car if you need a new tub. So yeah. It's not great if you tub a car, but <laughs> But you know, it's, it's better. But you're to, still alive to tell the, to it's tell a, the it's truth. It's racing. Yeah. Yep. Mean, yep. That's yeah. how it goes. When they talk about paying your dues, I mean, do you have to spend so much time in each each level before you can go up? It's a it's a good question. It's you know you have it's you have the example of Max Verstappen in F1 now. That's exactly what I was thinking. Who joined F1? I think he was 17, which is crazy. It's so insane. And in a way. I mean this as humbly as possible, but he almost kind of destroyed, or not destroyed, that's an aggressive word, but he kind of hurt what it, how drivers should come up through the ranks, if that makes sense, because he's such an extreme example of what, what has been able to be, what he's achieved. Um, I'm personally a big believer. You, you shouldn't rush it. You shouldn't wait too long because then you'll miss opportunities, but you got to be ready moving up to the next step. You take someone like Verstappen, he was ready just at a very young age. Most people can't do what he did or or be able to be in the position he was in to get those opportunities. But I think if you if you look at it systematically in F4, you know, I think two years of F4 is great. Another two years in F3, F2 or or Indy Lights, maybe you can do it in one because now you have the experience, right? And then go to IndyCar or F1, depending on what road you're in. But it's like with any craft, whether you're in college studying business, you can't cheat the system. You know, you got to learn what you got to learn, but you get to the point where, you know, you le- you know quite a lot and you're able to make the, the next professional step. So I think that's kind of how I would go about but it. But there's nothing in the rule books that says you have to do so many races and certain things. As long as if it tomorrow, if some, if an indie team invites you to come be the driver, you're, you're available to do that kind of thing. 100%. Okay. Where I don't think you would see a, you know, an F4 car or F4 driver making the jump to IndyCar. But, you know, again, it's it's within reason. Everything's within reason. If you, it, I mean, you could see an F3 driver maybe go to IndyCar, but that, that would be extreme. Indy Lights to IndyCar, no-brainer for sure because that's the next step. I feel like Days of Thunder was a total lie. <laughs> Get out there and hit the pace car. It's the only thing you haven't hit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Rubbin's racing. Absolutely. <laughs> when is your next race coming up? May 1st at Barber Motorsports Park in Birmingham, Alabama. Oh, okay. We got It's a little bit weird. We started started the season, and then it was like, bam, now you guys have a two-month break. And then when once we get going again at Barber May 1st, then it's just mayhem from there. It, it just takes off. It's like every race weekend, 
or every weekend is a race weekend and it, it gets busy for sure. So it's right now it's kind of like a, we started the season, but now we're in break again. So, and, and who are you racing for currently? Global racing group with HMD motorsports. You know, the, the main part of it being based out of HMD's uh, HMD motorsports shop here in Brownsburg, Indiana. My entry is a global racing group with HMD car, but it's, it's all kind of run through HMD motorsports. I bet that's kind of a cool area to live in with the amount of motorsports shops that are around there and, and the history. And yeah, yeah, it's fantastic. I mean, every IndyCar team is pretty much based here. The people that work within IndyCar are based here. You can drive to most tracks we race to within three, four hours. So it's, it's just, you know, it's the place to be. If you're, if, if you're on the road to IndyCar, you should be here. 100%. We got to get out there, Dan. I've never been to Indy. Uh, I have been to yeah. a trade show there. I've never been there for anything but a motorcycle oh. trade show. <laughs> Gotta go to the Indy 500. I went for the yes. first for the first time last year, and it was only 50% capacity. This year, it's wide open, snake pit everything concert. It's it's gonna be crazy. I mean, it's biggest sporting event in the world. Um, uh, not sporting event, but biggest stadium in terms of how many people can be there. Right. Um, it's it's mind blowing. Yeah, I just did. I just did uh, Circuit of Americas for F1 last year. And oh yeah, it was that was insane. Yeah, um, I'm just trying to. I was thinking about going to Miami this year, but I think it's going to be just such a show that I just don't know if I'm <laughs> doing it yet. Coda's insane. I, I have good memories there. I so when I raced F4, started in 16, raced in 17. We raced at Coda with F1 as a support race. I won that that event. Nice. It was such. It's one of the coolest race wins I I could talk about today. We raced literally right before the F one race, so all the crowd was there, everything like that. And as a young racer, you know that's that's it's it doesn't get cooler than that. Racing in front of F one and definitely one of the the coolest experiences of my life. Everybody thought I was crazy, but I, I we watched the F four race that happened before. I guess it was F four before the, the, this year's race, and I think it was more exciting than watching F one. I mean, like yeah. we kind of knew what was going to happen in F one, but you know, you could see people that were really trying and pushing, and it was a fun. It was a fun thing to see and, and know that yeah. somebody in those cars is going to be racing in Indy or F one real soon. Yeah, and to your point, like with the junior formula, everyone being in the same cars, it's kind of like the difference between F one and IndyCar again. You see IndyCar, there's a lot more tight racing because everyone's in the same equipment. Whereas F1, you know, you, you get the spread, it's, which is fine. But it's just the difference between F1 and IndyCar with, with different rules and everything like that. I'd like to see that in F1 because I think, I think, you know, there's so much talent there. Like, I mean, one of my favorite things about this season, obviously, in F1 starting this weekend is, is Botas not being able to be told to hold back for, <laughs> for Hamilton. So we'll see how good he really is. So Yep. <laughs> I, I think it's important you have F1, though, where, you know, it, it is leading innovation in, even in road cars. So if yeah. you take that part away, then, you know, you stop the innovation in, in road cars and the future of that. So, I mean, when you look at how – I couldn't tell you the number, so maybe not the best argument. But I know the fuel numbers of an F1 car, how efficient they are, it's mind-blowing. They don't refuel during the race, yet there's, you know – putting out over a thousand horsepower driving for almost two hours you know it's it's mind-blowing the performance 
without burning the fuel that they have to figure out. And, it, and that goes straight into the streetcars, which is very important for the future. Like you said, you got to manage your fuel. And I mean, look at look at Aston Martin this year, where the fact that he got disqualified because they couldn't have enough fuel in his tank to test it at the end of the race. Uh, yep. And you're right. The hybrid technology that came down, I mean, you, you, you look at things like LaFerrari and places like that and the S, SF90 and things like that. Trickle down is pretty amazing. So. Uh, yep, absolutely. I was going to ask about that. There's a There's a boost button, right? For IndyCar now, too? Is it a 50 horsepower boost? Yep, push to pass. I mean, we're going to the same system as IndyCar, but basically you have a certain amount of seconds that you can push it. So it's kind of like a you activate it and deactivate it with the push of a button, and you get 50 more horsepower. So you got to be smart about it. Um, you know, When you use it, do you use it on the start? Do you save it for later in the race when you know, tires are dropping off, fuel save, everything like that? Um, yeah, it's it's a good tool. You have to be smart about it, but it's it's great that we are learning to race with it now in Indy Lights, so that we're prepared for it for IndyCar. How, how does the system you, work in Indy? Yeah, I was gonna say, how often can you use it, and when how does it work? I think it's like two or three hundred seconds. I think it's three hundred seconds within a race. Don't quote me, but that's just an example. And basically, it's literally like if you want to use, if you have a twenty-second straightaway, and you want to activate it for the whole straightaway your timer starts. So if, if you use it for 20 seconds, now you have 280 seconds left for the rest of the race. So it's all about managing when you want to use it. You do it for pace on in and out laps, even though you're not racing anyone and try to make passes happen in pit lane, or do you actually use it just for, for raw passing? So that that's kind of how it works. Huh. And 50 horsepower is pretty substantial when you're racing a car that's built the exact same spec as you, if they're not using it. Yeah. Is it a kinetic system though, or is it like a restrictor system? It's a uh, wastegate for the turbo. Oh, I was, I was like, I don't know nearly enough about Indy or Indy lights. So, Indy I, car, still, Indy I, lights. I, I mean, I, even with my research in F1, I'm still confused on how they get it and when they can get it and how they can get it. <laughs> the, the, the F1 is a bit more complicated because they have the, the MGUK, the battery yeah. hybrid, which is a lot of power. It's like, I think it's 150 to 200 horsepower. Um, so that's why you'll see on like a F1 quality lap, you know, which is just one lap raw power. Uh, usually the, the lap before or even laps prior to that, they have to recharge the batteries so that when they open their lap, it's full deployment and it only lasts for like a lap, you know, and they're making over a thousand horsepower at that state. Yeah, I can imagine. So that's what that. those cars need is more horsepower. Yeah. 18,000 RPMs and then bam. <laughs> so, I mean, we, we've talked about the future. Where do you see these sports going? Where do you see Indy going in the future? Like what technologies, what, what things are we going to be seeing? You know, I think from, if you take Indy Lights right now, there is no better time to be in Indy Lights than right now. Uh, this year, Roger Penske and IndyCar took over all of Indy Lights. I mean, uh, that's the, the best thing you could ask for with, with Penske running everything IndyCar. The way everything is structured, the attention around it, the the rewards for doing well in the series to go to IndyCar is, is has never been better than it is right now. Um, so and and being under the the same you know tech support scrutinizing everything is the same as IndyCar. Um, our race director is the same as IndyCar. So so everything is really in our favor to make the transition as as natural as possible. So from that perspective, there's no better time to be in Indy Lights. Within IndyCar, you know, it's the biggest grid sizes there's ever been. The most international group of drivers that has ever been from all forms of, of open wheel. You got, you know, Roman Grosjean driving for Andretti now. 
you know, Marcus Erickson, Pato Award, like guys from all over F1, what, whatever it is, you name it, you know, super formula in Japan. It's, it's so diverse. The competition's so high. The, every team is super high level. So it's just super competitive. And, you know, I think the fans at sponsors, every, everyone's realizing that around the sport right now. So it's, you know, there's, it's, it's a great time to be involved. That's for sure. So do you have a really good camaraderie with the other drivers? You seem like you seem like you guys would. From what I've seen, it seems like the drivers in IndyCar and Indy Light seem to, from what I've watched, get along pretty well. Well, since moving here and, and training, um, I've gotten to low a lot. Um, you know, every morning I see Connor Daly, Ed Carpenter, Jack Harvey, Felix Rosenquist trains there, Pato Award, Newgarden trains remotely. I know Roman Grosjean really well, Renus VK. Kyle Kirk, like I, I'm friends with all of them pretty much. So it's, it's, um, it's a good group there. It's, you know, obviously you want to be in that group cause that's, you know, the next step for me, but yeah, being close to them, training with them, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's, it gets pretty competitive, but I think the key is being able to separate, you know, you're at the track, you know, how you think about it when you're at the track being competitive. Whereas when you're home training, you know, it's, it's kind of a different mindset. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously your, your family supported this and, and, and still does to this day and, and, and supports you. But if somebody, you know, thinks they have a child that has talent, should they start them in motocross? Should they start them in carts? Where's the, good pl- the best place to start? Uh, the, the best place for sure, I mean, for car racing is in go-karting. Again, when, you, when you're ready to make that decision, to, you know, my kid is going to go racing, you, you got options, right? So just like you have options when it comes to open wheel within – you know, the road to F1 with F4, F3, F2, F1, or IndyCar, that ladder system. Same thing with go-karting. You got, you know, do they race in Scusa? Do they race in Scusa Winter Series? Do they race in, you know, Briggs & Stratton 206 four-stroke series, which is a lot more cost-effective? It it depends on what position you're in coming up through go-karting. If, if you're someone that wants to, you know, really go race, then I think you should be in Scusa, SKUSA karting, which is... You know, they got huge karting events in like the Super Nats in Las Vegas every year where they race at the strip. It shuts down the parking lot and you go race there. Hundreds of racers from, from all over the country, even the world. So if, if you're someone that wants to really go race, that's where you, you need to be in go-karting. And then, you know, but if you're just trying to get an intro, maybe you go do some rental karting or 206 four-stroke racing. That, you know, there's a lot of options. So it, it kind of depends on what you're looking for. He said rental carding, not rental caring. You know, I heard so, the same know, thing for a second Don't go to there. Hertz and uh, rental something and then go drive through the parking lot at Las Vegas and say yeah, you did no, it. Yeah, no, not that. So, yeah. <laughs> Nothing handles like a rental car. I said cart. Nothing handles cart. like a Buick. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you pretty much grew up at PGP here. I did. I've done a lot of laps at, at PGP with, with Scott and, you know, a lot of the guys out there. Very grateful. You know, I still try to catch up with them, you know, whenever I can or when I'm in town. You know, Scott helped me. Scott is the one that runs all of PGP. He helped me. I did a bit of shifter cart practice during the time of COVID when I was racing in British F3. I was, I came back to Seattle due to COVID. And then um, I bought a shifter cart. Scott helped me run it. So super grateful for, for his support, for, for helping me be able to, you know, and that's in British F3. It's pretty high level junior formula. Um, and he was able to help me with carding there. So yeah, I haven't been out there for a while, but hope they're all doing well. Well, you're 22 years old, you're living in Indy, you're a professional race car driver. I'd imagine life is pretty fun. It's, I'm enjoying it. I'm definitely not taking it for granted. I'm, I'm working extremely hard. Oh, no, I don't get that impression for a second, man. 
but no, it's, I, I definitely enjoy it. Don't get me wrong. You know, it's, I enjoy, you know, I think a lot of people would be like, man, that's a lot of exercise and everything, but it's, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like a task because I enjoy every aspect. I enjoy the training. I enjoy the sim. And as long as you enjoy it, it, it's not a job. It's not a task. So that's really the key. That's how I know I'm doing. That's how I know I'm doing what I love. Yeah. We're just, I'm just constantly trying to get better. So, and at the same time, staying balanced in life, doing random, you know, new things, going out to eat, whatever it is. Um, so just trying to stay as balanced as possible. Dan, you and I would do very well if somebody paid us to be in better shape. I mean, if I, if, if somebody was paying me to get up and go to the gym every morning, I would be much more motivated. It's not, it's not that, to be honest. It's more the competitive edge that drives you from training. Sure. Yeah. It's not, it's not, nothing to do with that. It's more like to know that over the course of three weeks, if you work harder with your cardio – you know, if you have a training in the morning and you know you can be better cardio-wise and you work at it during the evenings for three weeks and you know you can, you know, make a jump on someone, that's what drives me. That That's what, you know, makes me want to do that. So, yeah, it's it's all about getting a competitive edge. No, oh, I wasn't saying you were financially motivated. I'm just saying that's the only way they're going to get me in the gym. Oh, I, yes, I got you. you. I'm not talking about you. Yeah. I know, <laughs> I know what drives you. Uh, like I said, competition. I mean, that's yeah, fair a fair statement. That's okay. a fair statement. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so if we want to watch you race, how do we do that? How do we watch uh, Indie Lights? It's on Peacock TV with, I think it's, yeah, it's USA Network because USA Network. Yeah. Because NBCSN isn't a thing anymore. But Peacock TV is the, the easiest way to watch. Uh, yeah, and so we can get that streaming then. So Yes. Cool. Yep. All right. Well, uh, I will find that link, and I will post it into your episode notes, and I will post... Oh, and uh, social media, uh, Benjamin Peterson 24 on Instagram and Facebook, and Twitter is bpeterson24. Um, right. But yeah. Uh, listeners, I will put that in the show notes as well as uh, the uh, Avance article talks about you adam was nice enough to get that published today um so you'll you'll have that at the time this episode comes out listeners and then yeah i'll give you all the info so you can follow benjamin and hopefully we will see you uh racing this season and well i know we will but hopefully we'll and see winning the season <laughs> yeah that's what i meant to say thank, thank, you. thank you yeah and uh thank you for joining us on the show i know you're sick like i said <laughs> listeners i will do my best to edit that out uh, and <laughs> make you sound good i know you're not feeling your best so i hope you uh a speedy recovery for some speedy driving. Thank you guys. Appreciate it. Thank, thanks for coming in. Uh, for this episode of the Avance Podcast, I'm Nick. I'm Dan, and don't just get there. Enjoy the drive.